0: This morning we'd like to talk about the church and specifically the love of the church. You know, uh, of course we all feel like we are, uh, appreciate the church and we're thankful to God that we have the, uh, the knowledge and the, and the privilege of being members of it, the great kingdom of, of God. But it's kind of like the song, Count Your Blessings. You know, if uh, we really appreciate the blessings when we start counting them. And numbering them, as the song says, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We kind of take things for granted, and uh, until we just really start thinking about them and even numbering them, then we really appreciate it. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to we want to talk about the church and the value of the church, and uh, the great uh, the greatness of the church, and these things to help us really appreciate the church and to love it. The church is a a God-made institution, and it's not man-made, and it's not like you can, uh, you know, they say just go to the church of your choice, that just minimizes the church. The church is so important, and it's important for us to realize the value of the church uh, and um, uh, the importance of it, and we'll we'll try to stress that this morning. John 3 and 16, of course, we all know this verse and can probably all uh, quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. McGarvey says uh, this is a lesson in God's love. He says it's a lesson in its magnitude because of of what he had to pay for it. Uh, He gave his only son. So it's a, it's, a, it's a measure of the magnitude of God's love for the, for the price that it had to be paid. It's a measure in its reach, in God's reach, his, God's love's reach, in that he gave it for the whole world. <clears throat> and also, it's impartiality, because it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, male or female, it's to everyone, the scripture says, whoever believes. And of course, it's a measure in its riches, in that we're saved, or salvation and eternal life is its reward. But it's also, and its, it's a measure in its limitations, because it's whoever believes. It doesn't say that the unbeliever is going to have any reward at all, but those who believe will, re- will reap the benefits from the. Uh, from the sacrifice of God's Son. So uh, this is a really a great measure in uh, in God's part of uh, of the Church in His in His institution of it, and really you know we don't think about God's suffering so much, uh, but this verse, this little verse right here, gives us a measure of the the suffering of God in the offering of His Son, His only begotten Son. You know, we can relate to that, and some here have even lost children and can relate to the heartache and the pain. Uh, But any of us can sympathize with the loss of a child, a loss of your only child uh, more specifically. And so uh, we can relate to the pain that God had to go through uh, in order to uh, institute and establish the church. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, think about God as, as going through pain. But the scripture talks about uh, God suffering or God feeling pain over his people, uh, even weeping. Isaiah 16 and nine says, "'Therefore I will bewail the vine of Sibma "'with the weeping of Jazer; "'I will drench you with my tears.'" God, God says there that he is weeping over his children. His faithful people. Jeremiah 9 and 1 says again, Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes as fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. So these verses clearly demonstrate that God does sorrow and has sorrowed over his people and their faithfulness or, or their unfaithfulness uh, to him. And so, so God does grieve. And God had to also grieve for his son. And that's really what that verse says. God gave his only begotten son. And, um, and that is a measure of the grief that God had to go through in order to establish the church and for the sacrifice of his son. But Christ, we read about him suffering too. And the Bible clearly uh, illustrates the, the suffering that Jesus went through in, uh, uh, in his uh, uh, in his trial and, and, and the night before in the garden and how he prayed so earnestly in the garden. And uh, we read about that in the Gospels. I really love Ephesians, the fifth chapter there, where it talks about the sacrifice of Christ for the church. Ephesians 5 and 25 through 28. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Uh, That's what Christ did for the church. Uh, His sacrifice was such that it presented the church as pure and holy and without blemish. That's what the sacrifice of Christ did. In In John... The gospel John verse chapter 10 I'd like to read uh, several verses there seven through 18 then Jesus said to them again most assuredly I say to you I am the door of the sheep all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from the father. Several points I'd like to, to uh, bring out from this reading. And that is, I just love the, I love the idea of Jesus as the, as the good shepherd. Because sheep are so defenseless. And the only defense they have is the shepherd. And so the shepherd protects the sheep. You know, we're helpless without Christ. We have no hope. We have no no future. Just in this life is all we have. We have no hope of eternity without Christ, the good shepherd. And Christ as the good shepherd also is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. He knows his sheep and the sheep know him. It's kind of uh, hard for us to imagine a shepherd knowing each individual sheep. You see a big flock of sheep, and to us, they're they're all the same. But he's so intimate with those sheep. He stays with them night and day, uh, and he knows every sheep individually. And he calls them by name. And so does our good shepherd. Jesus knows you. He knows you as an individual. He knows your name. And when it comes to the judgment, he'll be able to call you by name to reap your your reward. And those who do not, who are unfaithful, he will say to them, I never knew you. He won't know those who are unfaithful, but the righteous he knows. And he calls them by name, just as the shepherd does his, his sheep. He also says, uh, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. and I have power to take it again. This command I've received from uh, my father. Uh, It's really something. uh, This uh, this uh, verse here. Philippians. Philippians. Philippians also uh, brings out the point of Christ uh, 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 offering himself and and going to that uh, that terrible cross. Uh, Ephesians two and five through 11 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and, and coming in the likeness of men. Uh, Barnes really uh, does a good job of talking about this verse and and and, and the sacrifice of Christ you know uh, some people would be willing to go to their death uh, if, if that's what their cause called for they would be willing to go to their death if it were noble and uh, and uh, and they would be called courageous because they're willing to but uh, But often the deaths of a a warrior or things like that, uh, people like that is quick. Uh, And uh, so they're willing to face that, uh, knowing that their death will be quick. But there would really be second thoughts if they knew that their death would be torturous and long and painful and that's what the death of the cross is. It's one of the worst ways a person could die. And that was the whole point of a crucifixion was to make that person suffer and, and, uh, and make them suffer as long as possible. People would hang on those crosses for days and days before they would finally succumb. And that is the death that is meant by even the death of the cross. He went to death, he he suffered death, but it said, even the death of the cross. Uh, There's no worse way a person could be sentenced to die. But Jesus went to that death, even that death, willingly. He took that on himself willingly. Nobody had the power to do it. He told Pilate, uh, Pilate said to him, uh, don't you know that I have the power to, send you, to crucify you or to free you? Jesus said, you have no power except it's given to you from heaven, from above. Pilate did not have the power to release him. Jesus gave his life willingly of his own choice. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He gave himself over to the hands of these wicked men for just that death. And Philippians also makes the point of Jesus being uh, God. And yet God. Yeah, well, we, we can relate more to a, a king. Uh, uh, and, uh, and Jesus is king too. We can relate to a king. Um, we don't really uh, uh, regard our leaders in the United States like, uh, like uh, some other countries where a king is ruled because the king has... Uh, sovereignty he has all rule and power Uh, our our uh, elected officials are elected and they serve a short term and they don't really have the power that a that a king would the king has the power to take life or to give life uh, and they have uh, they have sovereign rule but the king is not the one who suffers the king is not the one who sacrifices of himself we have a king who gave himself but jesus is more than a king because he's almighty and he is god and so we have a god who gave himself for us in that sacrifice And in that sacrifice, Jesus purchased the church. Uh, in, In Acts 20 and 28, it says there, take heed to yourselves, Paul says to the elders of Ephesus, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There, the term is, of, is God shedding his blood. And that really, you know, Jesus is God. We recognize Jesus as a part of the Godhead. And so he, God, purchased the church with his own blood. One of the great blessings of the church, uh, being in the church, and the sacrifice of Christ to purchase the church is that we are reconciled to God. We could not be without that sacrifice, we could not be reconciled to God. It took that sacrifice of his blood to, to uh, give, us an, give us a place with God. First Peter two and nine says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. I like that, uh, that rendering of the new King James better. The King James says a peculiar people. But are, we are really God's own special people. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. Who, were, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That is only through Christ. That is only in the church that we have those blessings. And we are reconciled to God. Revelations one and five and six says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, uh, think about it. You think about the marvelous blessing that uh, we have in Christ and how close to God we have been made through his blood. We're able to uh, come before God and 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 uh, speak to God, and we are basically in the presence of God because of Christ's sacrifice. I like Revelation 7 and 14 and 15. So he said to me that, that John had seen a great uh, 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 unnumberable uh, number of people in white robes, and he said... Uh, to the angel said to him, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Now that's a wonderful image, isn't it? But that's the image of the church and of God's people who are washed in the blood of Christ, were made pure and were made able to be before God and speak to God and uh, God to us. You think about uh, the many people. Now, uh, all of you, I know, know this. Uh, You all know about the church and you know that that you're you're blessed. It's a great privilege to be a member of the church, a member of the the kingdom of heaven. And... uh, There are many, many people who don't. Uh, I mean, we we gather together each Lord's day to remember the Lord in in communion. And so we're reminded each week about the great sacrifice he made. But there are many people who don't think about it. Uh, Passing the uh, swap meet, uh, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people there at the swap meet today. Uh, you know, buying and selling and trading. And it kind of makes me think about um, uh, the, the scripture that talks about Noah, who, uh, you know, they they bought and sold and married and gave in marriage until the flood, until Noah was shut into the ark and they were carried away with the flood. People just go on about their lives without a thought. But you and I think about heaven. We think about the church and we think about the sacrifice of Christ by which all the blessings in, in him are made. So it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very few people honor God and remember Christ uh, as they should and some people like sheep, dumb sheep, just go on through life without a thought of the future knowing that they'd have an appointment to meet and that appointments death. Everybody dies, everybody makes that appointment. But they're oblivious to life and they just go on with life, not preparing for that day. We are strangers and pilgrims like Abraham was in the land of promise. We're strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. And, uh, uh, and uh, we, we have our, Real home, our true home, is heaven, and we'll meet. We'll meet there someday. In Ephesians five again, I'd like to reread that and read some more verses from that uh, verse, that uh, chapter. It's a beautiful picture, and talks about husbands and wives and how they should be together. But it's really talking about Christ and the church Uh, verse 25 husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that he she should be holy and without blemish But I speak concerning Christ in the church. You know, you think about husbands and wives and they, they, they are one flesh, the scripture says. But so is Christ in the church. Of course, the church is the bride of Christ. It is the body of Christ. In the church, we're members of his body and of his, uh, of his flesh and of his bones. Mark sixteen and fifteen and sixteen says, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The great news is his resurrection, and we are all part of that through obedience in baptism, uh, and being buried with him in bat- baptism and being raised. To walk in newness of life. In uh, Acts 2 and 42 it says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. Those who were being saved. Those who are saved are in the church. You see how important the church is and how little the world knows about that because they, they they take the church so lightly and uh, we really we really come to god through obedience in the gospel you know uh, the gospel plan of salvation we've got to hear and believe romans 10 and 14. now when they how then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and shall they how shall they hear without a preacher verse 17 so then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of god hebrews 11 and, and 6 says but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so we have we have to come hearing The word and believing faith comes from hearing the word of truth and uh, and uh, believing and obeying we've got to repent is part of our obedience Peter says on uh, acts 2 and 38 repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit acts 17 and 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. We've got to confess our belief in Christ. Matthew 10 and 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Romans 10 and 9, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The great confession of the eunuch in Acts the 8th chapter was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's the confession, the good confession that we should make. And then we need to be baptized. Acts 22 and 16, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 1 Peter 3 and 21, there is also an anatype which now saves us baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is really a, 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 a concluding uh, a verse, and a verse without argument, because the denominational world will say you, can't, you aren't saved by baptism. Here, the scripture says we're saved by baptism. And baptism is Our obedience to baptism in faith uh, washes away our sins. So uh, the scriptures truly teach the truth. And uh, we need to follow the truth. Thy word is truth, Jesus said. So, uh, you know, the world uh, uh, teaches the doctrines of men. All we need is this truth. The scriptures lead us in truth and follow that and we can obey the same gospel that Jesus gave to the apostles and they preached, the first century church obeyed, we can obey that same doctrine and reap the same power to save. You know, Matthew uh, 23 and, and 13, Jesus rebukes the scribes and Pharisees because he says, you have shut up the kingdom of heaven against men And you won't go in, and neither will you allow anyone else to enter that would enter. And you know, that's what the uh, denominations do. They have the same Bible, but they won't go in because they won't obey it. And they teach others to follow their same uh, error. Galatians 3 and 26 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Colossians 1 and 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Again, Ephesians 5 and 23, And he is the Savior of the body. Only those who are in the church, the body of Christ, are saved. You have to be in the church to be saved. There's salvation in no other. Uh, the Bible says. You know, um, we demonstrate our love for the church in worship. When we go to worship and worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, We demonstrate our our appreciation by worshiping in spirit and truth, and that's what God calls for us to do, to worship in spirit and in truth. We could worship in truth all day long and not have the spirit in it, not have our heart in it, not have our faith in it, and it it would be vain. It must be done in spirit and in truth. And we demonstrate our, our love for the church in doing that. Hebrews 10 and 23 through 25. We often read verse 25, but we leave off sometimes verses 23 and 24. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, we're to assemble. But the purpose of the assembly is to stir us up uh, in love and good works and, not to, and, and to not let our faith waver, uh, holding fast the confession of our faith. And that's what is involved in our assemblies, is stirring us up and, uh, and, and uh, encouraging us on. Uh, as, we, as we face each day and looking forward again uh, to the judgment day when it's coming. Colossians 3 and 16, now singing, talking about singing, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, This uh, talks about our singing and the kind of singing we should have. There's teaching and admonishing in our singing. And also it must be in in the name of the Lord Jesus or by his authority, so they need to be true. What we sing needs to be true scripturally and also have have a, a good teaching and message and we teach and admonish one another in our singing. So uh, the point is that there's teaching and admonishing in our singing. We need to be careful as song leaders and song selectors that our songs are appropriate and true. And uh, we do teach and admonish through our singing as we do in our preaching. John 6 and 63, it is the spirit who gives life The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words of Christ are the power of God to save. These are his words. And he's the words he had given by inspiration to the apostles and his own words as written by the the, uh, gospel writers. John 5 and 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you, uh, Jesus says to the uh, scribes and Pharisees. Him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. Um, Jesus says to these scribes and Pharisees that the works he did there, that God had given him to do testified of his truth and of where he had come from. And the scriptures, too, testify of him. Now, they rejected it. They rejected all of that testimony. And uh, the point is this morning that we need to be careful not to fall in their example, not to follow their example. The scriptures testify of Christ, and we can know Christ and follow him and believe in him and obey his gospel. Uh, because of the scriptures testify, testimony. And as we teach others, we need to teach that power, the gospel power, Christ's gospel power. Peter uh, confessed Christ in Matthew 16 and 16. Uh, Jesus had uh, asked the apostles who men say that Jesus was and they said uh, some say John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah and others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said who do you say that I am and that's when Peter made that confession you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said to him blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon bar and I say, you're Peter. And upon this rock, not upon Peter, but upon the confession or upon the fact that Jesus was the Christ. He's the rock. He's the cornerstone. Uh, he's the, he's the, the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense that the builders rejected. But God made him the chief cornerstone. So he is that rock that the church is built on. And um, so, so Jesus says, you're Peter. Peter had just confessed Christ. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Upon Christ, the, the rock and the, fa- and the foundation of the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it since... Pentecost and the first gospel sermon and where the Lord added to the church then daily such as were being saved still today the same gospel and the same church is continuing and prevailing no matter what the devil and hell and the principalities and powers in heavenly places may may do still the church prevails. <clears throat> Jesus commissioned the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And uh, he said to them, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. You know, Jesus has, has all authority. And he told the apostles that all power or authority is given to me. In the new King James says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. To go make disciples, you baptize them in the name or in the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we still... Today, make disciples in the same way. We still teach the same gospel message and we're still added to the same church. The church of Christ, the body of Christ. And we're still saved by that same gospel. I hope that uh, this was uh, beneficial to you this morning and I hope you can take away from this uh, a, a, a uh, a greater maybe appreciation for the church because of all that had to be given for it and uh, the great, great blessings that we find in it. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com.